0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily.
1: Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Weekend Preview Show. A big, big weekend of Premier League action to come across the next 48 hours and with all 20 teams in action before the close of play on Sunday night, it's set to be a big one. The big focus this weekend though is firmly centred around Manchester as Pep Guardiola's City make the short trip across to Old Trafford and that's where we'll be kicking off the show in part one. In part two, it's a short trip just down the M62 as we'll be looking at Everton who play host to Fly. Chelsea, And in part three, it's Leicester. They're at home to Brighton, plus a quick look at all the other Premier League action that is taking place this weekend. So with the games coming thick and fast at the moment, the Football Social Daily team is no different and is also in need of some vital squad rotation. So with that in mind, my name is Fergal Brennan and I'll be swapping into the starting 11 for Niall McCorn for this episode as he gives his microphone a quick rest. And joining me in the first 11 today is the Daily Mail News. Northern football correspondent, Jack Gorn. Jack, how are we? I'm
2: all right. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Very good indeed. And a man who is brimming with excitement for the Manchester Derby. It is podcaster and Manchester City fan Ant McGinley. Ant McGinley, even. Ant, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing very well. I'm just a bit worried about that description of being thick and fast. And Jack was a bit slow in his response, but I'm definitely thick tonight, so... We're all right. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll make you a deal. If I can be thick and fast, Joe can, uh, Jack can be slow.
1: There you go. We'll, we'll do that. I'll be fast, you be slow, and we'll see how we get on. Um, fast, slow, up, down, thick, thin, however which way you slice it. Jack, an absolutely massive game in the Manchester derby this weekend. Manchester United at home to Manchester City. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's kind of tenure, if you will, has been almost not defined by his record against Pep Guardiola, but it's certainly been boosted. United fans are only too delighted to remind City fans that Solskjaer won home and away against City last season in the league. And that was obviously a big kind of feather in his cap to to carry him through certain difficult periods. But with the Champions League now in the bin, they got knocked out by RB Leipzig in midweek. If ever, if ever Solskjaer needed a big, big result, it's this weekend.
2: Yeah, probably important to stress that he lost the big Carabao Cup semi final over two legs against City, so it wasn't all um it wasn't all one way traffic last year, but he definitely needs needs a result um on Saturday. And the way the way these things work with Solskjaer at the moment and United in general, is that they're never bad enough, consistently enough, to get rid of him. So actually if you had a fiver, you'd probably say they they get a result on Saturday because that's just the way it's been going. Like they'll They'll pull a will pull a result out from from absolutely nowhere, um, and that'll kind of everything's hunky dory for for a couple of weeks, and people forget about the fallacies of, of previous games. So then it's, it, it'll be a, a strange one on Saturday because you'd expect United to play how they always play against against the uh, teams in the in the top six. They'll they'll sit and they'll wait, even though at home they'll they'll wait and. And try and pick teams off on the counter attack rather than um, trying to take control of the game themselves, which kind of stood Solskjaer in relatively good stead over the last couple of years. Um, so I'm expecting kind of City to try and pass the way through United for 90 minutes and United to try and run as quickly as they can with the ball in the opposite direction and try and get one on the break.
1: I just had this image of a kind of Keystone Cop setup of red shirts running, almost like a, a weird kind of version of Pac-Man, red shirts running away from blue shirts for, for 90 minutes and seeing how that works out. And we're going to touch on how United expect to set up and, and how they're going to look to approach getting a result from, from Pep's team this weekend. But before we get into that, would you agree with Jack on this idea that if Solskjaer gets a result, as long as he doesn't get beat, this will be kind of brushed under the tar- carpet, he'll be given another stay of execution and it would just be a case of... Don't mention the, the sack word. Don't mention that, you know, don't speak too loudly about it. Uh, or do you think it, it genuinely could be a bit of a day of reckoning for him?
3: I think when you're a manager at a club like United, especially given their recent history, I think, you know, if not every every game, like every month there is some kind of reckoning going on there if things aren't going well. And we, we've seen that, you know, very, very much since, you know, Ferguson went and then even when he was first muted and brought in as this temporary manager and did brilliantly and pulled out some amazing results then went on that brilliant run um then obviously had had the slide as soon as it it was made permanent and every time there's been this sniff around him that things aren't going well they seem to have turned it out on the pitch it feels different this time though and jack you'll you'll watch them a lot more closely than me but there's There's all these signs, these little things that go on that I find worrying and I don't really care. (laughs) So it's just in terms of like, it seemed to be Bruno Fernandes the other night on the pitch seemed to be questioning why um, he he wasn't doing anything, whether that was changing the tactics or uh, who he was bringing on or not bringing on. Obviously, the well-documented problems with Pogba and what's come out um, this week, it does feel different. And the odd thing is, and I was chatting to uh, a fellow City fan about this earlier, is neither of us can remember the last time we went, we were going into a, a City, a Manchester derby, not feeling anxious. And that's odd, considering that, obviously, they did the double over City last season, and then we had that, that, that game where we, we should have been at halftime, I'd only got the two goals and United came back again with Pogba, pulled out an incredible result, which seems to be something that that Oli's team have been very good at. And I've heard somebody else talking about this, about how he manages a bit like he played as a player, like he knows what to do when United need a goal, when the chips are down. But I don't think that they could, it's a sustainable way to do that. He hasn't; he doesn't seem to have that tactic to set up and win from the offside. That said, though, um, and, and, and I know this is one of these tables that don't really count for much, but if you look at the calendar year for the league, so from the start of 2020 till now, United are third behind City and Liverpool. So in terms of like the the, the performances that they've put out, they won sixteen, drawn six, lost six. So is it that bad no i think i think the fact that they've not had the fans in really helps because i think the fans would possibly be be starting to turn and get on their back um i think you know i think a win against city is always going to be a little badge and it's worth more than it used to be obviously since uh, city turned things around but i think this time with what's going on it, will, it This could be another nail in the coffin, especially if City run away with it And City seem to be building up towards. That. I know we gave you know Burnley the regular five nil defeat that we gave them, but I still think we've got a big one in us. And God help Solskjaer if that's United.
2: It is bad. It is bad. They've only won. They've they've only won one one game at home all season. It's it, it's crazy. It's utter madness and. They're a team that doesn't want control of the football. Which, if I was a Man United fan, I'd be going absolutely spare at that. And that, that that is just the single biggest indicator that things aren't going well because they they don't want. They'd rather not be in possession. They'd rather hit you on the break, um, which is why they come on stuck against uh, the likes of Crystal Palace. Um, I can't see from the outside looking in. I can't I can't really see the direction that they're going in. Um, and if you're a team that, that don't want to dominate games of football, then you're not going to win enough of those games to win a title. Um, and that's the major that's the major problem they've got at the moment. And you like I was watching the Harry Maguire interview after the uh, after the defeat against Leipzig, and he kind of was at pains to say, "Oh, the you know the tactics. We can't use the tactics as an excuse." And I always think when someone says something like that, then they do, in the back of their mind, they actually do think it's an excuse.
3: Mm. It's a little bit like when somebody says, I, I, you know, I, I, no, I don't mean any disrespect, but it means I, I completely mean disrespect. Exactly. Yeah, I see exactly what you mean, yeah. Uh, Jack, we don't have a direct line to Bruno
1: Fernandez, who seems to be having an influence on which players are going to be picked. But Saoirse does have... Um, a few decisions to make so we're going to go to you instead of Bruno we're going to have you as our Bruno Fernandes he does have to make a decision on how he wants to set up and you touched on that before of that they look to sit in be compact and and use that pace on the break Paul Pogba came off the bench um, against Leipzig in midweek and obviously there's a lot of controversy surrounding his potential future at the club does he start this game? Does he come into the starting 11? Donny van der Beek also came on as a sub. He started yeah. in the win over over West Ham and was taken off. Are these players that could be coming back in? There's doubts over Martial and, and Edinson Cavani over injuries that they might have. How is Solskjaer looking to, to line up for this one?
2: I think in an ideal world, he'd want to play three five two, But I don't think he can do that now after after midweek. I think ordinarily they would have gone with three at the back or five at the back or whatever, however you want to describe it. Um, but given the defensive frailties on Tuesday night, I just don't think he's in a position to be able to do that. And Pogba, you've got to play. You've got to play your best players. Pogba gets into United's best eleven every day of the week for me. Um, so he's. You've got to play because you do, you're almost doing yourselves down, aren't you? If you don't. If you don't pick him if you don't if you pick him and he doesn't perform then that's his problem if you don't pick him and you lose the game then you've shot yourself in the foot um, and also let's be honest if solskjaer plays him and he plays badly and they get beat or whatever the finger gets pointed at pogba for whatever reason doesn't it um so it gives him a little bit of a of a get out i mean they've they've got enough united have got enough pace to to worry City, um, you know, you, even without Marshall, Rashford and, and Greenwood should cause City a lot of problems um, going forward. If if City get turned over in midfield quickly, um, Rashford and Greenwood are going to be serious threats. Um, but I just think they've just got to they've just got to play the best players. Just get Popper on the pitch, get Van der Beek on the pitch. He's like, there's a reason why they bought him because um, he's a very good footballer and. I just struggle to see how Donny van der Beek can't um influence a game more than a Matic or a Metomine. And the other thing is he's got to tell one of those midfielders if he wants to play if he wants to play his best three midfielders in Fernandez, Pogba and Van der Beek, he's got to tell one of Pogba, Pogba and Van der Beek that one of them sit in and just tell them to get over it.
3: Do you think that, Jack, if they did actually have fans in the stadium right now, the song that you would hear most of all would be, You Don't Know What You're Doing? Because when, as you just said there, that seems really clear to me. And also when you look at the talent that they've got there, it seems, and obviously we're not in the situation, so we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes and all the other problems that there might be. But it, it does seem to me that this is one of the occasions where, you know the, the the fans that you watch that watch the game week in week out can see changes that would be positive for it. I I just it just feels like it's discombobulated. If that's possibly the biggest word I've ever used this year, <laughs> like, it's just not fitting together.
2: No, I, but I, I don't think they would be singing you don't know what you're doing because it's Solskjaer and you, you're almost not allowed to say that, are you? You're not allowed to sing that at Old Trafford. Um, but at well, what point Vocalise those opinions. Um, so, Well, Solskjaer's got... Uh, what he's got going for him and what's on his side is that the problems at United have always been and will always be deeper than the manager. Um, and right-minded United fans understand that and they realise that. And Solskjaer's not being allowed. Well, none of the managers after Ferguson have been allowed to to go and do what they want to do. I mean, Mourinho said it publicly, and I'm and, and privately was a bit stronger privately about the the um, the setup at, at United, um, particularly surrounding transfers and the scouting and all that sort of stuff. I, I just. I, for United fans, it's just really difficult at the moment, I think, because Solskjaer's is so synonymous with how how brilliant they were in, in the late nineties and early noughties that no one really wants to pin the blame on on him. But then, if you look at social media, and I, I, I never kind of see social media as a brilliant barometer for, for for anything really, but they are they are split. But the ones that are against the manager. Seem to get shouted down a lot by like people who would describe themselves as proper Reds, um, because there are you know there are so many problems that you can pick. Then I think people argue that if you can pick one of so many different issues, why are you picking on why are you picking on the club legend? It's just it's a very toxic place at the moment. I think.
1: Uh, and when you look at City's situation Guardiola's selection problems are, are obviously less than, than Solskjaer he doesn't have any major injuries other than Eric Garcia who's still sidelined Ilkay Gundogan has been past fit to play Sergio Aguero is back he, he came on and scored uh, in midweek in the Champions League against Marseille I'm not
3: sure how much he knew about that goal though
1: <laughs> um, do you know what I, I I would like you to tell him and try and take it away from him a, a true goal scorer <laughs> like Aguero will be counting every single one that he can get um, well that kind of builds into what, what I was going to ask you will he be getting a goal this weekend given the fact that Gabriel Jesus was rested <clears throat> for that win over Marseille that would indicate that Pep is going to have him as the tip of the sword against United and obviously with Kevin De Bruyne you're in excellent form, Riyad Mahrez Raheem Sterling probably mm. going to play either side um, could we now be seeing a situation where it's a Manchester derby but because of his injuries and because of the fact that he struggled to, to get going this season Aguero is
3: probably going to start on the bench I mean, the thing is, you've got to realise that all the way through his career uh, at City, uh, Aguero suffered from injuries. And when you look and you compare him to those, those other players, I don't know if this is maybe what's kept him out of those teams of the season as well, because he's not played as many games. His, his goal per game ratio is ridiculous, especially whenever you look at the end of the season, like how many, who scored the most goals. He may not have scored the most goals, but in terms of the distance, in terms of actual minutes played between his goals scored, it's always you know the, the lowest, if not amongst the lowest. Um, and he has had a couple of mishaps as well. You know He's managed to, this is a guy who's managed, when he's had time off away from the football field twice, to injure himself in car crashes once in a taxi and once somewhere else uh thankfully nothing serious but um he, he has been prone to that but he's been managed very well he is coming towards um the end of his career if you've ever met him or seen him up close you will look at him and wonder how he can get injured the size of those calves on that man <laughs> like solid bricks um i think though it is interesting that when you look at when you take a step back and look at it and yes we're starting to come together and work our way up the table. But we are... When you look at the amount of goals that we've scored, I think it equates the entire team, in terms of the in the league, is still the same as Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And uh, our leading scorer at this minute is in joint 14th in in the league, which is crazy for City when you look at what we've done in terms of goal scoring in the past. And that's uh, Riyad Mahrez and three of those goals coming in one game. So... You know, we, we we have had injuries coming into this. I think Aguero has been so important as a talisman for for this team under, Agu- under Guardiola and for the last 10 years at City and everything that we've gone through. And uh, ever since he arrived, sorry, eight years, should I say, that he's been with the club. And uh, I think he's going to be managed very well. I know Pep came out not so long ago and talking about, you know, it's not just about rotation, it's about who's at their best uh, at that particular moment. And I think if anybody, you know, has got the uh, the gumption to tell him it wasn't his goal or he's not going to play, it would be Pep. And people will believe in him. And and you remember right back at the beginning when Pep came in, there was that constant talk that Aguero was going to follow hard out the door because he didn't quite fit in. He wasn't prepared to do what uh, pep wanted him to do but you saw him his game changed and he bought into it and he's been brilliant and yes you know we we really missed him and the question will always be would things have worked out differently this season, this year with the champions league if we'd had aguero available now obviously we've not been reigning the goals in at all as a team but i think that's starting to come and i think he will be kept as an impact player the one thing that worries me about this fixture though is I can see United doing what Spurs did to us and what Wolves did to us last season as well. And that's trying to hit us on the break, uh, which they do have the players and the pace for. But that's the only option that I see United having. And I think the thing is, you know, it is a derby, but it's going to be so weird. I don't think there's ever been a, a derby behind closed doors. The closest we could compare it to would be maybe... One of the games that we've we've met when we've been out in America where you haven't had the crowd that's been as engaged in what's going on but then you've not had the players so in terms of first team meeting each other I mean I've been to a couple of years and years ago a, a, a testimonial of City and United but even then so this this is just going to be a very very strange. Occasion with with a with a game that does a lot riding on this for for both teams. One for City being able to close the gap and get back up the top, and let's be honest, you know, Solskjaer ch- trying to prove that he's worth his salt. And you know, I, and what going back on what I said earlier, you know, if Solskjaer can make it three league wins on, in a row against um, City, that's some feather in his cap.
1: I think this is all set up for a, a kind of an EastEnders-esque storyline. Sergio Aguero, he's, he's got such a brilliant record against United, nine goals in all competitions. He's two behind Rooney as the top scorer in the Manchester Derby. I, I think he's hes going to have some sort of an impact and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, a match-winning one. I, I honestly think, I think it all seems to be set up for, for that sort of a, a style of game. Guys, we're kind of, gone away from doing predictions in the last couple of weeks but for these types of games it just feels right to get you to to lay your your money somewhere so Jack I'm going to go with you first where do you see this going?
2: Uh, 3-0 City.
1: Very straight. I
3: (laughs) I think it could be even bigger I think we could be seeing you know five or six for City and it causing real chaos amongst United and and I'm not saying that with any pleasure now I will say it after the results have been been confirmed but uh, yeah just the way the team seem to be going Um, so obviously it's nailed on for a 0-0 draw (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm going to go for a win as well for City I'll make it three out of three I, I've said on previous podcasts that City look like they're going to give somebody a hiding at some stage given the start to the season but I think that's kind of got out of the system with the win over Burnley and I don't think I just this is going to come back to haunt me definitely I don't think United are that bad to get destroyed by City but, but I do think they will probably get edged out on this and, and I agree with Jack that it will get swept under the carpet for Solskjaer for a bit but long term I still think there's going to be massive massive questions asked about him guys we're going to call it there for part one after the break we're just going to be taking the short trip down the m62 everton at home to chelsea chelsea who are banging form and everton who've been a little bit patchy in the last couple of weeks catch you in a minute
0: football's social daily subscribe to the podcast now
1: so you never miss an episode Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League weekend preview show. Massive weekend of games in the Premier League this weekend as we start to edge ourselves towards the hectic, hectic Christmas schedule. My name's Fergal Brennan, joined on the show today by Jack Gorn and Ant McGinley. Before the break, it was the Manchester Derby and the guys have firmly given their opinion that City are going to be the one picking up all three points. Everton against Chelsea is one of the other big games this weekend. Everton, we're all talking about them as potential top four, maybe even optimistically a little outside title challenge in the opening weeks of the season that optimism has kind of edged away a little bit and Chelsea have carried on like a train Jack I'm going to go to you first on this Um, Chelsea are probably the most informed team in the Premier League at the moment unbeaten in the last nine games in league action they're just behind uh, Tottenham in the race to be at the top of the table what do you make of them ahead of this game We'll, we'll touch on Everton in a second but I think given Chelsea's form we've got to focus on them to begin with
2: I just think they look really slick at the moment. I think it's all everything's quite well oiled. Um, I like the back four as it is. With I've been really impressed with Zuma this year, and then just going forward, they've got so many options. Um, I mean, like no Ziyech uh, at Everton, but then Pulisic will just come straight in, and it's all very seamless. And there's no the, uh, if someone's out, they never it's never a massive miss. I mean, we're like talking about City before, it's like if if they you know without Aguero, they that's that's a huge huge absentee for them whereas it's not quite the same with Chelsea <clears throat> they seem to have a lot of a little bit more strength in depth than some of the others and obviously that's partly to do with the uh, the recruitment in the summer after the transfer embargo was lifted um, I think they've spent quite wisely um, and they've been lucky that well not lucky but they've been fortunate that both Giroud and Abraham have, have played well in in spells, in different spells, so when one's not doing it, the other way is, and and, and vice versa. So, the, I I think they're going to push Liverpool and City very close this year, just because of the balance they've got, um, and they've got a lot of control in midfield. Which at the moment, I mean, I I did um, I did Everton against uh, Everton against Burnley last week, and it just games like that are just go to prove that Premier League matches at the moment are one in the middle of midfield it's whoever can turn over possession quicker than the other than the other team um, and I think Chelsea got a lot of players that can do that which is which is why they'll win um, plenty more games before the end of the season
1: I think and. Jack's obviously nailed it there with this idea of balance and and two of the key players that have been brought in to add a bit of that, N'Golo Kante, who's finally playing in his his best position, and Olivier Giroud, who does such a selfless job of being a threat inside the box, but also allowing the players around him to play. when you look at the team and the way that they're played and obviously the amount of new faces that came in over the summer, it was always going to be difficult for Lampard to, to get a cohesive unit together. But they finally look to be clicking into gear. And one of the interesting things about them that I don't think many other sides in the Premier League have is each attacking player provides a different threat. If you think that you might have, I don't know, Timo Werner covered because you can double up on him if he wants to cut inside. But then you've got Mason Mount who dribble past you. You've got zh I know he's missing this weekend. They've got so many options that they just seem to be able to overpower teams and flood them in in the defensive areas.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, it is, on the one hand, you go, well, it's amazing what you can do with a couple of hundred million pounds, isn't it? Um, but it is. It definitely time, is. We, 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 we've seen time and time again that... Actually, you know, and, and a great example is my own team, you know, you can spend like a couple hundred million on your defenders and still not get it right. Uh, and yet that, that, that's something that they managed to do. It did seem to be very much from the from over the summer, he was focused on uh, offensively. And, uh, you know, he certainly brought in some amazing players and, and a great combination. And they seem to be working very well together. And then like Jack just said, you know, you've always got somebody you can just slot in and take their place. It is great to see uh Kante back in that position uh that he did so well. We we saw him in the more advanced position and I, I to be honest, I was never convinced in his shooting ability. I know he got a couple of good goals, but I, I just think it makes much more sense for him to to be in that, that deeper, deeper lying role. It makes the team more solid moving forward. Um and but again, the the, the biggest thing that we've seen is is the changing goalkeeper. Although, what was really interesting was midweek, I did hear Frank talking about Kepa, and he was actually really supportive of him. Not um, not patronizing in any way, obviously, you know, the, the, the club can't afford to be with an asset that they spent that much money on, but actually, he was very complimentary about uh, how he's getting on in training and, and the various things that are going on. I still don't think he's likely to have a future, especially in the short term, looking at the form that that Mendy's shown. And I think Chelsea are really turning into what they have to be this year for Frank, because we know that Chelsea aren't afraid of changing their managers at all. They've spent a lot of money. Um, they did very well last season, but this is really going to be something where, you know, I, I can see them... I don't think in the form that Chelsea are in, and sorry, in the form that Spurs are in, and also Liverpool still playing, carrying on from last season. I don't think they've quite got enough to to push all the way, but I think they're definitely going to be in the mix. And um, I think it's again, it's one of these teams where you look on paper, it's frightening the talent that they've got there, um, the ability. It's you kind of, you know, you you could do no wrong. Even I could win on FIFA with a team like that.
1: Uh, Jack, when you look at this fixture and Everton-Chelsea under David Moyes was kind of pegged as this big clash where it was a little bit of a clash of styles and Moyes had a good record against them post Moyes there was a bit of a blip and in the last two seasons Everton have come back to form they've won at home against Chelsea in 2018-19 and then again last season but given the way that Chelsea are playing at the moment it's difficult to see how they're going to be able to stop them we'll, we'll touch on Everton in just a second but when you look at the way that Chelsea are playing they they look an absolutely unstoppable
2: force yeah and what uh, what we've not mentioned is they've they've not seen anywhere near the best of Timo Werner yet, which yeah. I think Ant was saying used the word frightening, and that is frightening. But Werner's actually not been not been anywhere near his best so far. So once he hits his stride, then that's just another another attacking problem um, they they pose to opposing teams. I think with Chelsea moving forward, I think it's probably. Oh, how far they go will be up to them because I think they can beat any team in, in the league um, and certainly they will think that they, they'll be able to um, overpower Everton who have been a little bit up and down recently. Um, and then the expectations change with that. I mean, there was no expectation on, on Lampard at all last year. Did very well to get him into the Champions League. That just completely flipped on its head last last summer with the with the money they spent and he will be expected to to go close in the league and or win something this year. Um and as you said, like Chelsea aren't aren't afraid to change the managers even, you know even if it is even if it is Frank Lampard and um it, I, I think they're set up to do really well and if they don't then you wonder whether he'll be a short-term appointment over a couple of seasons rather than what is perhaps expected which will be kind of a five, six year tenure
1: And talk to me about Everton start of the season everything Ancelotti did and his players looked to turn to gold four wins in a row in the first month singing the blues was up the charts in Spotify everything seemed to be looking rosy Dominic Calvert-Lewin banging in goals and it's all gone Well, it's all gone very Everton since then. Come back from the international break, they just about squeezed the win off Fulham, who are one of the worst teams in the Premier League at the minute. They really didn't look at the races against Leeds and Leeds deserved to win at Goodison. And then, as Jack said last week, away at Burnley, yes, they created a lot of chances and and maybe on the balance of play deserved to win. But crucially, you know, the final result, they only got a point. What exactly is is going on or or what exactly has kind of gone wrong that's taken taken their confidence away?
3: I don't think it's necessarily anything that's gone wrong. I just think it's like everything settled down from the chaos and the weirdness of the, the, the consistency of games and the injuries and the adapting to things and not having any fans and, and all this kind of thing. And I think what's happened is things have started to settle back down to normal. With the exception of Spurs being near the top, everything, everything else seems to be as it was last season. Things are starting to move in that direction. And so... Worryingly, as a, for an Everton fan, it's like, oh, we had so much hope. And actually, you know, the, they have had some injuries, and you know, Luca Dean's out again this weekend. Who's a really underrated player, not just for Everton, but I think for like, um, well, I don't, I don't think the Evertonians under, uh, underrate him, but I think in the Premier League in general, he, he's one of the best players in that position, and and you know, he's got great delivery on that ball, and he's going to be sorely missed. I think that. Um, you know, Cavaliere was still getting in the goals, and at the beginning, when when he was doing that, we're just like, oh, that's a bit of a fluke. And you know, when when the new boss came in, it was just like, well, he's just what we've got, and we know with previous clubs, Ancelotti tends to adapt to what he's got. He's got a very interesting style. There's not, I think, it's difficult to look at one team that he's managed and compare it to another and see the comparisons as you could with somebody like uh, Klopp or with Guardiola uh, Ancelotti seems to more adapt and work with what he's got and arguably is more of a coach in that respect um, and we've really seen the best of Calvert-Lewin we've seen the best of Rodriguez I've not seen Rodriguez play like that For se- we always knew he was talented you go right back to uh, when he was banging him in the World Cup for Colombia uh, and just looked at a different class. It didn't really work out for him uh, when he went to Spain. But now he seems to be, you know, given whether it's he's made the main man. Interestingly, he doesn't get you as much points on uh, fantasy football as you would think he would do because he tends to assist the assists. Um, but in terms of what I, what's missing, what's wrong? That's, that's the million dollar question that is that really is because you know it, it was there at the beginning they managed to do that. were they fleet crew results but they, they just haven't seemed to have the heart. there's been a lot of change over the years. I don't think we can blame it all on that, but they have had a lot of change in terms of managers and playing staff. And again, is, is this is this something that we're seeing similar to what we saw with um, United? after Ferguson, they've struggled to find some consistency and identity. You know, Moyes was there for a comparatively long time and since then, Everton haven't really been sure or known what they were doing and they're undoubtedly a big club that live in in the shadow of Liverpool, especially now that Liverpool have come back and won the league and the Champions League as well. So there are comparisons with City and United over the years, but Everton haven't Maybe it's an investment point of view. I'm, I'm not sure. Or maybe just the investment hasn't been spent as wisely. There are some question marks over some of the players that they've brought in that haven't performed. Jack, when you look at the team,
1: the two teams, you line up your Chelsea against Everton and we talked about this idea of balance in, in the Chelsea team. I was chatting to an Everton fan a couple of days ago and he was saying that one of the main problems that they have had in, in the last few weeks is that injury to, to Luca Dean that Ant mentioned, but also captain Seamus Coleman, who's, who's struggled with a couple of injuries this season. And he said the focus is... They provide so much support to Rodriguez in front of Coleman and Richarlison in front of Dean to allow them to not exactly abandon their defensive role, but we know that James likes to cut in and either switch play to Dean making a run forward or Coleman running past him. And when you've got a, a system like that, it opens up so many problems for teams. When you take one of those players out, or both of them in this instance, it then means that the other players, the creative players, struggle to perform because the consistent excellence that's around them it is no longer there.
2: Yeah, but that comes that comes back to strength in depth, doesn't it? I mean, just looking at the, um, the team they played last week, so we had Delph out on the left-hand side, they played back three, but Delph was out on the left-hand side of midfield, Iwobi was out on the right, Player, uh, not players that you would automatically pick in those in those roles, and that's you know they've only lost one player in both those positions, and then they're su- suddenly in kind of square peg territory, which is why I kind of uh, I remember doing this podcast a couple of months ago when uh, I think it was you, me, and uh, Sam Lee when the question was about whether they could finish in the top four or perhaps even better and you look at the squad it's a top 8 squad and I think they'll finish in the top 8 I said that then and I'll just say that now I just I think with a couple of injuries in key positions they do uh, they will they will struggle I mean they brought Tozen off the bench last week I forgot he existed Um, (laughs) so you know if if Calvert-Lewin was to break his leg tomorrow um, then that suddenly presents a massive massive issue doesn't it immediately uh, so that, I just think with with the way the, the league is this this season with the you know obviously it's truncated and uh, you are going to pick up more injuries more uh, well suspensions you're obviously going to pick up uh, I just I don't know I just think the strength in depth will will pay for them a little bit um, and then I think top eight would be a good season for them but if they can go into the market next summer and then address key areas because they need to need to move on from Coleman, don't they? Uh, they, they? And players like that, they need kind of younger, um, up and up and coming players that um, are going to kick them on to the next level. Um, and that doesn't, it's not going to be done over one one window. Ancelotti needs a couple of years to to make them a make them a force again.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a quick update. I've I've deleted Jack off the Christmas rotor for. Daring to have anything negative to say about Seamus Coleman, so Jack, you can take Christmas off.
2: Um, I'm Ant, an Island fan as well, weirdly. <laughs> I
1: don't know why I said that. Uh, no, no, I think I think it's an age thing with 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 all of them. But no, no, the damage is done, Jack. You, you've got Christmas off. Uh, Ants, <laughs> call this for me. Uh, Chelsea extending their unbeaten run to ten games. Or do we see Everton getting back
3: in the saddle? I'd I'd love to see Everton get back in the saddle, but that's only because I'd want one less because you like saddles with the top (laughs) two, yeah. And I like saddles. That's exactly it. Um, Unfortunately, I can't see it. I can't see it going any way. I think Chelsea are just too strong at the minute. I think best case scenario, Everton managed to pull a draw out of the bag.
1: Jack, would you follow that? Do you think there's the potential for a draw, or do you just see this being
2: Chelsea home and dry? Yeah, weirdly, I saw enough in that from that Burnley game last week to suggest that. Uh, Everton could probably get probably get a draw, could probably get a point against Chelsea. I thought they were good last week, um, so yeah, I think they'll I think they'll get a point.
1: I'm going to go for a Chelsea win. I think Giroud looks to be the man for Lampard now, and I think Lampard is is working very hard to make sure that he doesn't leave in January because he knows that if he doesn't get games, he's going to want to leave. So I'm going to go Chelsea three points. Apologies to any Everton fans listening, but I'm sure you'll be all right in the weeks to come. After the break, it's Leicester against Brighton. Brendan Rodgers' side went through to the last 32 in the Europa League in midweek, but that's now mothballed until 2021, and he can focus on potentially putting them into the title. Race. We'll catch you in a minute.
0: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. Just a quick reminder, if you hit subscribe on this episode, you can get a brand new Premier League podcast from us every single day. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Just tap the subscribe button and you can hear what we have to say every single day. Now, before the break, it was Everton and Chelsea. We've already covered the Manchester derby. The other game that kind of jumps off the page this weekend is Leicester at home to Brighton. and we're going to give you first call on this one this time round. As I mentioned before the break, Uh, European qualification has been confirmed for Leicester but given the way they've performed in the league this season Brendan Rodgers might want to see a bit more consistency from his side it's been essentially stick or twist from them they haven't drawn a game they've won seven and lost four so from a kind of a betting point of view I suppose you know what you're going to get with them but if you're Brendan Rodgers you'll be thinking guys a little
3: bit more consistency and we, we could be pushing for the top yeah, well, I mean, like I was saying earlier about how we had that kind of almost like a crazy start. To like the first eight or nine games just seemed to be like everyone was settling down, getting used to it. So I would draw more stock from you know recent form. So for the last four or five games, unfortunately for Leicester, that involves uh, two defeats in there as well. Um, Obviously, we saw them tail off after Christmas last year as well. They were in uh, fine form, and they had that game. I think it was was it Boxing Day against Man City, and uh, lost that. Uh, and And from that point on, they seemed to sort of stumble and lose their way. Where I had them down, I had them nailed on uh, for a Champions League place. Uh, obviously, you know th- they've done enough. Uh, despite those defeats because of the way everyone else has gone that they're still in 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 a good position up near the top although it's still too early for them to be running away or, or, or you know ordering any buses for any parades um i like i like brendan Rodgers a lot um obviously he came close to to glory with liverpool um and the infamous slip before going off and doing great things at celtic i like what he's done there it just seems to be though at the minute is they're still reliant on Jamie Vardy to pull them out of the bag they've got some other great players in there that have uh, shown they're able to sort of on the on their day turn up and do it but like we saw against Sheffield United you know just that last minute from Jamie Vardy that little bit of magic for him so they've got him uh, they've got that for at least this season but if he gets injured again it's like you know it's Ian Acho gonna really do it. Unfortunately, he's not proven himself enough since he's been there. I'm not so sure that they've got the, the 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 depth to be able to do that. So if they can stay injury free, I think they're they're in a they're in a they're in a great place to do things. But when you look at who's around them and the money that's been spent by those teams and the players that they've got and the depth, you wonder. But then again, this is the team that we all wrote off four seasons ago when we said, well, they haven't got the team, it's just Leicester.
1: Jack, when you look at Vardy and the way that he's performed this season, he is evergreen. Yeah. He still shows that he's got that pace, that hunger to run in behind and and cause absolute havoc for defenders. And <clears throat> his record of winning goals is, is amazing. I'm just looking at the numbers here from the last couple of months. Late winner against Arsenal to get three points. Uh, late winner against, what well, a winner against Wolves. And then again, as, as Ant pointed out, that late winner against Sheffield United last weekend. And he's still the go-to man for them would you agree with Ant that they still look a bit light the rest of the way through the team that if you're going to be a title challenger it can't just be get the ball to Vardy and, and he'll win us the game
2: yeah although I would say you're allowed to have a best player aren't you that you um, that you play through um, and he's, been, he's scoring a goal every 84 minutes this season apparently which is such good numbers um and he normally waits it's a, until the eighty-fourth minute to get it as well. <laughs> the uh I just think that the thing with Leicester, I think Rodgers would probably want a few more of them chipping in. So like Barnes, I think Barnes' got five or six this year, but beyond that, Ian Acho's got a couple, Madison you need you want like I don't know, five or six players, seven players beyond or underneath Vardy. Getting between five and ten, and I don't think they're going to have that many, which uh, could be, you know, Vardy is human, so he's going to have off days, uh, and that'll be the that'll be the crux really for Leicester that, uh, that if if and when Vardy has has a poor game, is there someone that that goes and and grabs the metal that, that that wins them a game that perhaps they they weren't going to, uh, and you see that you know we talk about other. Top four teams, you, t- you see that with the other, the other big sides. They've always, if if one man doesn't do it, then the other one does it. And I don't really, doesn't happen often with Leicester because, as you say, it's when Vardy plays well they win. When he doesn't, they don't.
1: Um, Brighton and have also suffered in terms of scoring goals. They don't have Jamie Vardy or, or anyone even close to him. They've, they've averaged a goal a game in the last seven Premier League games, which doesn't sound too bad on paper. But when you look at the, the numbers of points on the board, that's only yielded one Premier League win. They won away at Villa a couple of weeks back. But this is the kind of same conversation we keep having about Brighton. Graham Potter gets a lot of praise for looking to bring them forward and be a little bit more progressive. But when I watch Brighton, I, I, I like them to watch, and, and the football they play is, is aesthetically very pleasing, and you can see what they're trying to do, what Potter is trying to do, but they're so frustrating because you see chances for for Aaron Connolly or Neil Morpai or someone gets in behind, and they just <clears throat> they just they just seem to fluff it.
3: Yeah, I I think basically what you've got going on there is you've got. Uh, Manchester City football on a Sam Allardyce budget. That's what the that's what they're working towards, <laughs> and um, like yeah, and, and everybody likes Potter, you know, and he, he's done great things uh, abroad in Sweden, and it was a real, you know, that I think it was the Europa League when they beat Arsenal, and everybody was like, who is like who is this team, and what an English manager abroad winning, and um, obviously came over, did 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 pretty well with Swansea, but the. You're right, you know, and, and and Brighton is a team that I think a lot of a lot of people look at what's going on there and go, I want to like what they're doing. And and for example, you look at the teams that are around them. You've got the likes of Fulham who've you know keep coming up and spending money and don't seem to get it right. Burnley who don't spend any money and get a bad reputation for the football that they play, which is unfair. Um, and I think Sean Dyche is a bit. Um, sort of stuck in a little bit of a, 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 a of a of a thing there, um, you know. But then again, having said that, you know, they're only they're just beneath, you know, one of the brightest young managers in the league in Arteta and Arsenal, and um, w- one manager that everybody seemingly looks up to in Bielsa. So actually, at, at this stage, it, it, is is there a lot to worry about? Well, yeah there's always going to be stuff to worry about. But then we were just talking about at the beginning of the show, how worried Solskjaer should be. And he's not going to be worried about the threat of relegation. Let's hope not anyway. Um, so I, I think at this stage in the season, um, they can afford to do that. What they can't afford to do is, you know, miss the gilded chances that they've been given, like some, some woeful penalties and, and those kinds of situations, but they have ridden their luck and they, they've done well. And, um, I think, again, when you look around them, what counts in their favour is there are, you know, three, well, four, if you can read Fulham teams that are just not firing on any cylinders at all. Yeah, Brighton are not firing on all cylinders, but at least they've got some of the cylinders going, which, certainly in the case of Sheffield United and West Bromwich Albion, you can say, yep, yeah, no chance.
1: Uh, Ant Channelin is in a Roy Keane there, giving United fans a little pat on the head. Uh, rest assured, you've been given the Ant McGinley. Uh, relegation exemption I think I think they'll be fine Brighton maybe not we might have that conversation later in the season uh, just to whiz through the other games this weekend obviously everyone's in action so there's plenty to get through Jack uh, West Midlands Derby Wolves are home to Aston Villa neither of them are in fantastic form heading into this one Wolves just about edging it two wins in five Villa have got one win in five and um, when you look at Wolves last weekend, they, they looked a little bit rabbit in the headlights at Anfield and losing 4-0 away at Liverpool could be framed as, you know, it's not the worst result in the world, they're the defending champions, but they, they do seem to be lacking something a, a little bit. I know, obviously, Rao Jimenez is, is sidelined through a nasty head injury, but they do seem to have... Something seems to be missing from how they normally approach these games where they click together so well in the final third that that seems to have deserted them in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with the, the performance last week. I was expecting a little bit better from him. Um they sold uh Diogo Jota, of course, and uh I think Podents was seen as um the guy who replaced him and they obviously uh, bought him last year to allow him to bed in. Um but they've not gone out and spent that money, have they? Uh and really and really found someone to, to take the place of of Jota. They just don't they don't score enough goals early on. And when you don't do that, the games are always nip and tuck. Um, and that's that's the way it's been. And the, the the good thing they've got going for them is that they do, they do have the ability to grind teams down and grind results out. Um, but I'm not really... I can't really work out where they're going to finish this year, to be honest. It's a bit kind of, I don't know, like meandering a little bit.
1: Uh, Newcastle-West Brom is the other Saturday game and Steve Bruce's problems just keep piling up. The Aston Villa game that was suspended uh, 10 days ago due to a COVID outbreak at their training ground has meant that he's absolutely decimated for options this weekend. He said in his press conference that he'd probably have to wait until an hour before kick-off against West Brom this weekend to pick his team. Billich goes up north, just one win so far this season against Sheffield United, which they, they needed to win. You got that sense. This is another difficult one to call because West Brom... Are, in such bad form but Newcastle could end up having to play I don't know maybe the groundsman at left back and some of the club staff in midfield it could go any way for them
3: yeah Alan Shearer Kevin Keegan coming back in you know Tino Aspria, who knows what's going to happen um I mean I think that they're all right in terms of the the, the team that they register because they can I think if I'm right in saying they can have as many sort of uh, youth players in as possible without having to register them on the team. There's there's a thing that allows them to do that. So I don't think they are going to be in a situation where they literally physically can't field it. You may see the thing that we've seen other managers like Pep do, where they don't field, you know, a full bench of substitutes, so they field, you know, four goalkeepers on the bench. Um, it's. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be one to keep your eye on and a surprise game because, like you say, until kickoff, we're not really going to know, one, what team is going to put out and what, what way they're going to play because that's going to be depend on the players. And so, you know, in the normal circumstances, you know, they'd be rubbing their fingers against us, especially Callum Wilson up front. That would be, he'd be rubbing his fingers against a, a team that have already conceded 23 goals this season. Um I don't it's really hard to say about Newcastle but on the other hand because of that this could be a real godsend for West Brom. Uh and I think they're they're much better. They're much better than the table sort of suggests at the moment. Um they just haven't had the the rub of the green as they would say and, and and had the chance to get going and it's a team that I would Love to see doing better and sort of have a run of a few seasons in the Premier League rather than coming up and and going back down, um, but we are getting to that stage of the season coming up to Christmas when you know decisions start to be made, and it's it's a worry.
2: I think it's fair to assume that if Slaven Bilic is, loses against End Boys Club, he'll probably get the sack.
1: Do you think uh, it's a difficult one to gauge because of the, the, the way they've started this season and he's he does look pretty dejected but I just think there's there's two other managers that are on the chopping block ahead of him and that's Scott Parker and Chris Wilder. Um, Jack, Sheffield United away at Southampton, Southampton riding high, they're up to fifth, got back to winning ways last weekend by beating Brighton but Sheffield United just cannot get that win. Jamie Vardy loves scoring against them, got the winner against them last weekend. What does the next couple of weeks hold for Wilder?
2: I really don't know It's uh, I can't really put my finger on what, what's wrong with them I don't know whether things aren't just they're not dropping for them there's not kind of potent enough up front I just don't it's just not the same I, I've said this before I think Sheffield United have been the biggest losers um, from not having fans in the ground I think Bramall Lane uh, the supporters of Bramall Lane won them a lot of points last year um, I mean I was at the United uh, the Man United game um, which would have been November last year I think uh, and they drew three all and it was just a game. an absolutely incredible game of football and that was because of the supporters and they've missed that um, and they don't score enough goals they spent a lot, a lot of money on Brewster but Brewster's a, a work in progress Bernie will probably get you eight to ten and there's not a great deal of support in midfield they don't have you know, remember the start of last season when Lundstrom got four or five goals when he was breaking into the box uh, quite early on in, in, in the year, and there's, there's been none of that this year. They've had contract issues. He wasn't happy with the the business done in the in the summer, uh, even though they spent a lot of money, they, or a fair amount of money. They they missed out on all of the top targets. Uh, yeah, all's, all's not well. And then Southampton, and it's United at home, and it's Brighton away, and Everton at home, and Burnley away, and Palace away. It, I don't know they could be well adrift by the end of December
1: yeah and we we were chatting before we started recording to say that uh, all the good uh, good vibes or positivity that um, Wilder might have in the bank with the fan base. Whilst they're not in the ground, the board will be the one making the decision and as much as I backed them last season and, and everybody likes Chris Wilder and what he's done there, you get the sense that no club is above hitting the panic button and that could be the case in the next few weeks but if they get a positive result against Southampton this weekend, that could change and Crystal Palace against Tottenham is the 2.15pm kickoff on Sunday. Palace shopped us last weekend actually scoring five goals away at West Mm. Brom I thought this was some sort of computer glitch Palace you generally know what you're going to get with them you expect them to be relatively solid at home and Saha to be the the one to drive them forward and maybe get them a goal Tottenham top of the league and although Jose keeps pretending they're not in the title race they are because they're top of the league how do you see this one going
3: well I think Palace have sort of gone under the radar a little bit this season and uh, until that result and so it's possibly not not that shocking, uh, especially when they're against against 10 men. I mean, the only thing that's shocking is suddenly um, Christian Benteke looks like value for money for that new contract he signed. Um, well, that is shocking. Possibly.
1: Don't undersell that. That is a surprise. <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah, so, and I think as well, it's, it's a London derby and I think Palace will be going into this, obviously, as the underdogs, not expected to do much. And I think the way they've been going this season, uh, that could actually go in their favour. However um they've they've not exactly been solid at the back um you know the 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 scoring almost is you know goal difference is just one at the minute so you know not scoring uh, much more than they're letting in and you're coming up against the lethal combo that is uh, son and kane uh, who've just been unbelievable and uh, when when you look at like how many uh, how many things that they they've put together it's just ridiculous i, I heard some stat where that they're, they're combined the goals that they're responsible for um are, are almost more than 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 liverpool have scored this season something ridiculous like that but it, you know it 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 is you know it, it is something pretty pretty exciting that's happening there and i don't think palace are going to be able to contain it and i think what we'll see with Jose, we know he's really good at holding the position, whether it's a defensive game or whatever. And I think now that he's up there in that those top two positions, uh, just on goal difference at the minute, he's gonna he's gonna play, he's gonna hold it. And I think uh this is a game where Tottenham are gonna come out. And, and I think we've seen a bit of a change in the hand again, a little bit of a wobble earlier in the in the season, uh when he did all those selfies on Instagram dressing down their players after the game against Antwerp? Um, obviously, they they did the reverse of that uh, fixture and the reverse of the result midweek in the Europa League, and so it looks like things are starting to come to fruition. And still, no Alley in the side. Talks of him going to PSG. You know, I I think I think it shows that you know Jose is is coming. He's going. This is this is what I'm doing. This is where it's working. And it's starting to work. And, you know, my my friend Mike celebrated his birthday yesterday for the first time in his life. His team were top of the league on his birthday. So, you know, there's some good news for some people out there. And I think they're going to be there till the end of the season.
1: Uh, Mike, if you're repaying Ant uh, a friendly favour and listening to the podcast, uh, happy birthday. How old is he? I feel like an wow. 80s radio DJ. How old is he? <laughs> Let's just go out to Mike, who's 43 in Manchester. Mike, if you're listening, have a good weekend. Um, a team that are probably not going to have a good weekend and a man who's not going to have a good weekend is Scott Parker. Jack, the Premier League's top scorers, Liverpool, with 26 in 11, going up against the Premier League's second-worst defence, Fulham, who've conceded 21 on their top-flight return. This could and probably will be a bloodbath,
2: yeah, I mean, Fulham. I wasn't unusually wasn't at the uh, City game last last weekend, but uh, I gather Fulham played quite well, uh, which must be slightly encouraging for Parker. And obviously, they did well at Leicester the other week. But yeah, it's uh, it seems cut and dried that they'll they'll get beat. I mean, Liverpool, whoever they play going forward, is they're going to score goals, aren't they? I mean, it's um, it's an absolute foregone conclusion. Yeah. It might actually be the lowest. Would that be the the shortest odds of a of an away team playing in a in a match this season so far, probably?
1: Uh, I'm just going to check for you now any betting fans anybody that wants to make a very 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 small profit on a very low yield bet this weekend 3-10 to 10 Liverpool are to to win away at Craven Cottage so yeah you're probably not going to get that much money but you know it's worth if you want to top up your bank balance uh, I've been putting this off for too long and so I'm going to go to you on this Burnley against Arsenal uh, I've spent most of this week uh, avoiding Burnley fans on Twitter who are claiming this is a relegation derby as Burnley go to the Emirates Stadium, but given the fact that Arsenal are down in fifteenth, are they now in firmly Burnley country?
3: You know what? As well, like let's not just look at the table here, but look at the recent form. And I think no, Arsenal no, let's not let's not look no, at no, the recent form. No, no, but it's, it's it's important to look at this because Arsenal have got one point from four games. It's one point from twelve. Uh, and and that goes against five from 12 uh, for Burnley, which includes playing Man City in that as well and getting thumped by them. So actually, I don't think this is as cut and dry as it would have been in previous seasons. And, I, you know, it's it's a tough team to play when you need a result. It really is. And um, I, I the, the only thing that counts in their favour is that it's at home. And they, they are going to have fans at the Emirates, aren't they, for this one?
1: Yeah, there'll be two thousand there on the back of having them at the Europa League uh, last week. Jack, would you be given a little bit of positivity to Arsenal, or do you just think that Burnley be licking their lips because they've got a bit of a free hit here? If they get a positive result away at Arsenal, it's it's a big result for Sean Dyche.
2: No, Burnley's always Burnley's always a bit of a hard luck story at Arsenal, isn't it? Um, I think they've lost the last nine away at Arsenal, uh, and there's been a couple of a couple of those games where there's been late goals, um, late winners. Uh, I tell you, what, I was looking at a table. And thought I had no idea that Arsenal had lost six games. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I just, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they kind of they just, they, they just in the periphery, just doing badly, quite quietly. I've not really noticed how quite how bad they are. Um, but yeah, I, Burnley still got injury problems. Still have only got a first eleven, and they haven't really got anything off the bench. So no, I think. Um, I, but think Burnley I just think Burnley will struggle I just can't it's one of those where you just you just look at the fixture and go yeah that's home win doesn't really matter how how either of them are doing
1: okay uh, guys you've managed to inspire absolutely zero confidence in me that Arsenal are not going to end the weekend another place closer to the relegation zone so technically it- we? No, but you're not filling me with confidence. I wanted more, I wanted more oomph. I'm still thinking we could be 16th by the end of the weekend. Hopefully not. We might be up to the dizzying heights of mid-table, a new target for myself and all Arsenal fans to get right behind. Gents, we're going to call it there for the Football Social Daily Premier League preview show. Jack Ant, a pleasure as always. Thanks
3: Thanks very much. much. Hope, Hope we weren't too thick or fast.
1: You can never be too thick or fast on this show. That is an absolute Football Social Daily trademark. Don't forget if you uh, want to hear more from the team, just hit subscribe on this episode and you get a brand new one every single day. And if you have an Amazon Alexa device, you enable Sports Social, select your team and away you go. We'll see you again very very soon.
0: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
1: 18 plus.